After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome to Mind Rolling, and I'm Raghu Marcus. And I'm Dave Silver. And we have, uh, our research team has come up with some uh, very interesting tidbits for, we have a big research team, and uh, it's, uh, they all hang out at Dave's house and feed him information. So uh, what did the research team come up with this week, Dave? Well, the team, which is comprised of me, and some wandering spirits, researchers. I mean, spirits, they're not, they don't have bodies. I just thought we should talk about the military-industrial complex. It's such a charming, cheerful, joyful, and, uh, you know, uplifting subject. I vote but, we don't. Okay, so we're not going to talk about that. Uh, we're not going to talk about it. We're just not going to talk about it. But I know some interesting stuff about it, which I, I'll slip in somewhere. Um, but, no, we were going to talk about politics, though. And one of the things we were sort of struck by uh and it, you know if you listen to this podcast in the next few weeks or months or you, it'll be pretty topical maybe in 25 years when you're still listening to them um it may seem kind of dated but mark samford let's get straight to it uh was the politician who was in a scandal just last year i think it was just a year ago when he he's from south carolina when he lied and he would disappeared for four days or something and said that he was on a hiking trip but he'd actually gone to venezuela to be with a woman he was in love with and was having an affair with it was a real big scandal however he was just re-elected <laughs> and quite easily in south carolina and you know it's very easy to sort of sneer about something like that and turn your nose up and go oh my god people are crazy but so that's one thing he got re-elected mm -hmm. so even so, a so-called conservative base still forgave him for that, and he got reelected. Then, about a week ago, I'd like to know how that happened. Actually, well, you live much closer to South Carolina than I do, um, but I don't know why he just won quite easily. He won against um, someone who didn't he didn't he win against Colbert? Colbert's relative. I don't know that. I don't know that. Maybe someone out there will let us know that, but I don't I'll, know that. I'll look it up and we'll talk about it later. I'm sorry we don't know that. But anyway, uh, the, uh, the more amazing thing, which we can keel this whole thing off for a while, is that about a week or two ago, Mark Sanford uh, mentioned that he'd become a, a meditator and had been following a Buddhist path and teachings. And I read a, a small interview on Huffington with him when he said something to the effect that the meditation had brought him to the present, brings him into the present moment, mm. and gives him perspective. 
Where did he go to even find out about it? Or do you have any idea? No, I don't. But I think it was some South Carolina Buddhist group. Oh, really? Um, it wasn't like he went to, you know, India or Nepal or something. Anyway, when I read it, you know, it's so easy to sort of become kind of very cynical and skeptical. I was thinking, wow, you know, is he? But what, that's got no constituency. It's not like he's after the Buddhist vote. Clearly, he, he, he <laughs> South had an ex- Carolina. Right, there's 11 people. But, you know, he, he, he made this statement, and it, it, it just struck me as another one of those moments when, as an individual, I had to sort of think, am I open-hearted about this person, or do I just, you know, think he's a creep because, A, he's a right-wing Republican, and, B, he lied to the country and his wife, etc. Mm-hmm. Or be open-hearted and go, you know, he's a child of God. I hate to sort of use those words sound kind of drippy, but the truth is he is a child of God and has a right to expression. So, Raga, what do you think? Do you think... Let's uh, step back here a minute. What if he... I mean, so he eventually, of course, he admitted his sins and he came out uh, with the truth I wonder if his wife is still with him. No, I think he got together oh, with no. this woman, he's right? This, he, he married, married that woman. He's either married her or, or is about to, and his wife is extremely hostile to him. And he had the gall, actually, to ask her to manage his campaign, and she refused very publicly and has been extremely, you know, sort of not friendly towards mm-hmm. him. Right. Um, All right, well, but he came out and he told the truth and he confessed and he, you know... Most of of the politicians, especially in this area, meaning I'm in North Carolina, and in the South in general, would probably have become born-again Christians, right? That makes way more sense. You're going to get reformed, and now you're going to be, a, you know, you'll, you're going to adhere to your uh, religion and on a day-to-day basis, and uh, and his constituency would support that. I mean, they that would seem to me to be the you know the way that anybody from this area as a politician would go with it. So that alone maybe indicates that uh, there is some kind of substantial sincerity there. I mean, possibly. I think I think there is, and I only think that I don't know him at all. Uh, but just because there's no great advantage to his base to make a statement like that. Uh, It doesn't help the so-called forgiveness process, and he doesn't even need that anymore because he's now uh, back in Congress. He was the governor. Now he's in Congress. Um, I'm just intrigued by it because of the the basic sort of duality of right-wing, mean-spirited politics and Buddhism, which is entirely about compassion. What's it's, not just about, it's not just about meditation, let's yeah. face it. Yeah. yeah. What, what did, uh, you know what, I, I, I had a thought, but based on this whole conversation, actually, uh, to let everybody know, came up, Dave and I were in a meeting yesterday, uh, a uh, conference, and, uh, you know, we've been working on a, uh, a program that... Uh, we would like to see go forward because we think it'll be a, a positive offering out there. And it's about just getting different, unique people together and having them talking about their own experiences, but they, you know, coming from completely opposite worlds. And it's a, our, our byword is uh, where worlds collide. And, uh, 
And the idea is to just give some kind of uh, revealing of from people who are in disparate situations uh, to get to some commonality. And that's just a general uh, part of our mission statement. Anyhow, we were going through this yesterday, and David brought up this guy, Sanford, as an example of someone. Wouldn't it be interesting to talk to this guy or get two people like him and I think David said, like, Roshi Joan Halifax is a a great... Oh, never uh, mind that. Wouldn't it be interesting to to get him to talk on on this podcast? Because let's talk about the podcast for a minute. I think that what we talk about here is... A lot about this and and it's because this is so many it's a complex thing it's not you know love is simple and consciousness is actually simple but when you get into samsara in the world and what's going on you can't help but wonder about some stuff and it seems kind of confusing because i would have thought that a mark samford would be kind of hostile to buddhism because many uh you know sort of latter-day christians that i've met i don't mean mormons i just mean christians of the last 50 years uh, talk about Eastern religions involving mm. devotion and also uh, meditation as being black magic, for God's sake. Yeah, no idols. I, I, it's been sp- said to me many times. It doesn't exactly please me when I hear it. But the thing is, is it possible that there are those people within it who can incorporate both easily mm-hmm. and don't feel any conflict? He may be one of those. But on the other hand, Raghu, he's a politician. So you've got to wonder, why would he engage himself in what seemed to be not very helpful policies for people, right. you know, and still consider himself some Especially kind of Especially where he is. It's, you know, there's this other guy. Where's he from? Um, remember, I got... Uh, oh, I, Tim, Tim, Tim Ryan? Tim Ryan, right. Tim Ryan, well, Tim Ryan yeah, he's is a, a major Democrat. mindfulness guy. Is yeah. he? A, but is he a Republican or a Democrat? No, 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 he's a, he's a liberal Democrat. He's a liberal yeah. Democrat. And he's okay, from somewhere so. in the Midwest. Ohio, oh, right, so that all, it makes a lot more sense coming from where he's coming from, et cetera, et cetera, Nevertheless, than this guy Rod, Sanford. When I went to see Tim Ryan, it was a, a, a Deepak Chopra's place, uh, he calls it that, I think, or something like that, yeah. in the, in the um, ABC, AB, ABC building in, in downtown New York. Mm. And I went, and, and the conversation between Deepak and, and Representative Congressman Ryan was really, really encouraging. I, I, one couldn't even imagine being cynical about it, because mm. Ryan was so clearly, um, you know, wanted to progress in his practice of mindfulness and use it in the best way he could to influence other congressmen to have more compassionate ways of, uh, of, of, of voting. Right. Well, it, it was, you know, he was great. I really liked him. Well, this is the crux of it as far as I'm concerned and something I would absolutely, yes, I would, uh, you know, if we could get him on this podcast, uh, you know, we should try and do that uh, or on this uh, t- TV show that we've been talking about doing. But well, on, our, on our vast budget here, we could fly him in on a, one of those, you know, sort of special... <laughs> which brings something else up, but we won't talk about that right now, which is... Um, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Audible. Ways to help us continue doing this. I'm going to intro. This is a, a harsh commercial. Amazon. Yeah. Buy your things through Amazon from the banner on our website, mindrollingpodcast.com, Amazon banner, audible banner if you want to buy anything from either of those two it doesn't cost you anything just do it through those and we get a percentage and it helps us do this that's or it. get a t-shirt or a mug all right so that's good that's about a th- maybe a 30 seconder I, I like that day we should do more of those but i want to go back to sanford sorry i had to do i want to go back to sanford mm. because to me the interesting thing there is and you know and i would love to be able to ask him this 
How do you reconcile these Buddhist inclinations? Let's just call it that, you know? And how do you reconcile that where compassion is, this, is a central tenet of, this, of, of Buddhism with some of the stands that you represent as a conservative Republican regarding, obviously, in so many different areas, from health care to, uh, to economic situations for people, uh, how, how, do you, how can you possibly validate if you have this, uh, this uh, you know, I hate to, we, I don't know how far he is into it. Maybe it is just there's some basic concepts that he agrees with that I don't even know how they. It might they, be, a, you know, it might be like on that TV show Veep, you know, when right. people run, run up to, uh, you know, Louise Dreyfus, the Veep, and give her an idea quickly. You know, this will work. This will yeah. work. Use it in that speech. Use it in that speech. Right. So maybe somebody said to him kind of trivially or whatever, you know, I've been going to this Buddhist class and it really relaxes me, Governor, uh, rep- you know, Congressman. I think it could help you relax, really, because you're, you're so busy now and the TV and the scandal. So this will help you relax. And he goes, yeah. And he goes and does that. And it does. But when he said the little statement he made about, I like the way it's brought me to the present moment, that's not an exact thing made me feel that he'd gone a little further than just how to feel better. He's going so to start teaching about be here now. And he's going to advance Ramdas's teachings. But th- your, your point is well taken, though. I mean, like, can a Republican, right-wing Republican, you know, and we all know what we feel about that in this room, or these two rooms, you know, who b- b- votes against the ability to help people who need help, and against various forms, and, and also is within a warmongering system, blah, blah, blah. Uh, how can someone like that, you know, be so-called spiritual? Or are we closed? And are they just making economic sense right. on, on, on some level? And then another department in their mind but is But the totally, thing is, he's not pandering, though. Who's he pandering no, to? Not, There's no not. Buddhists in South he's Carolina. Not. There's like one monastery or something Let's get filled him on with my, six, wh- you know, white people. Raghu, let's get him on this podcast. Okay. I bet we can, right. because we'll just tell him we're not going to do any kind of hateful or anti. Well, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> you're, you're not. Well, and we're two foreigners living in in the United States. Yeah, don't That's, go there. He, he doesn't know that. My I am true. not. I am now. You're a foreigner, basically. I'm not. I'm a New Yorker, which I'm proud of. <laughs> Bloomberg, Donald Trump. Uh, okay, so. You know, seriously, it is an issue. Remember that guy? Oh, I've forgotten his name. He was the governor of Illinois or something. He was oh, K. His mm-hmm. name begins with K. And he was the governor. He was a, a senator or something, a congressman. And now uh, Kasich, John Kasich. Uh-huh. Okay, so he's now Governor John Kasich. And he's one of those Midwestern governors who's voting against workers' rights completely. They're all doing it. You know, all those guys in those states who are right. kind of like worker states have like restricted union, uh, you know, negotiations. Very, very right wing. Well, Kasich was known originally when he was first coming on TV like 15 years ago for being this huge deadhead. Mm. You know, mm. and he talked about the Grateful Dead all the time. And when he was interviewed on talk shows, it was like always. So you're still listening to the dead, you know. And every time it happened, I was wondering. I, there's something in me that just balks at it. I, I, it's very unfair. You know, I know Republicans who like Springsteen a lot. So yeah. is there something, 
Music's a bit different because you don't have to listen to the words. But if anybody listens to Bruce big time, they're going to get a huge percentage of social criticism and extreme liberal progressive ideas. Sorry, but it's true of Bruce Springsteen's work. I mean, he's not really political all the time, but when he is, you know where he stands. Yeah. So how do these right-wing governors in New Jersey and, and guys, you know, like say they love Bruce? I guess if they said they didn't, they wouldn't get elected. You know, it brings <laughs> up uh, just something that is so blatant in all of us. The level of judging that we do about all things... Yes. And of course, here is something where, because Sanford's the best example right now, just because where he lives, where he comes from, he's, he can't be pandering on this thing. No. Pandering would be born again. And, uh, you know, it is such, uh, it is so complex. We are so complex, each one of us. There's so many different motivations going on. He may sincerely believe uh, in Buddhist compassion, and yet, in his political life, uh, it's just misfounded related to the fact that he stands for in the way of the passage of bills that would, you know, that the obviously the Democrats and and the liberal Democrats are trying to put through to support poor people, sick people, etc., and elderly. So, and we just can easily go. I don't give a shit what he's done. He likes Buddhism. Look what he's doing, you know? Look look what, you know, the action speaks, not what he personally believes. So it's easy to put him right down, and it's easy. It, the polarization is so natural in, in these instances, especially in politics, obviously, you know, that there is no room to consider him to be anything more than what we just project around his supposedly newfound religion or... Uh, well, let's, he, he could also change, you see. I mean, okay, he's, found, he's entered uh, some teachings of Buddhism in some way. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt on that, because I believe him. And then as he gets more into it, it's possible that he will see uh, you know, aspects of his own so-called policies that are, that are just not compassionate and mm -hmm. will, in fact, change. It's, I mean, right. that, that, that happens. Possible. I would rather have a really nice conversation. I mean, I've spent a lot of my time working in various southern states and places where there were born-again Christians and everything. And I very rarely found any that were anything but very gentle and nice to me personally, you know. And at the same time, I, I would wonder what they would do, uh, you know, to help poor people in Detroit or in, 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 in Newark, you know. <laughs> so, in a, in, a, in a sense, are you all right? Yeah, uh, sorry. Okay. Um, no. So there's a bifurcation there. There's kind of a compartmentalism in the, in, you know, and it's hard for me to take because mm -hmm. I automatically think that liberal progressive views are towards humanitarianism and the betterment of most people on the planet rather than just an elite. And so it's very hard for me to like John Kasich or, or Mark Sanford because I disagree. With, as you just said, their mm -hmm. actions are what they do as politicians not if they sit in a, in a, in a zendo or in, in, you know, in a yoga room. Um, maybe that'll make them better, but they still are, shall we say, self-interest is much more important than... Well, you know what? We should, you know, yeah, we should follow along his career here as he's newly elected. We should keep an eye on it. And wouldn't it be interesting to see if he did change his uh, pattern of voting for this, that, or the other... Um, unlikely given his constituency. Now, uh, listen, what did you tell me about, 
an interesting thing our friend Danny Goldberg mentioned to you about New Republicans. What was that? I thought that was really a little bit cynical, but... Well, no, I, at one point, there were, there were people like Joe Scarborough, who hosts Morning Joe on MSNBC, yeah, yeah. and he was a, a pretty right-wing conservative uh, you know, congressman from Florida, uh, you know, but he's very into uh, music, he's very into... Well, he's into football like me, English football. And, but, he, but more importantly, he's, more, he's very kind of attractive and funny and a genuinely, a genuinely skillful dude, mm-hmm. you know, extremely mm-hmm. intelligent, likable, actually. Like when he talks to Deepak Chopra, which he does quite a lot these days, it's, you know, there's an intelligent exchange. Mm. Danny's point, I think, was that, well, yeah, great, you know, then there'll be all these hip Republicans and people like me, Dave, will say they're great and then they'll get elected and then we'll have a Republican nightmare on our hands. So it's better for them not to be attractive, actually, uh-huh, and right, to show yeah. their true That's colors not, yeah. so that we'll continue to, activi- you know, to activate against their cruel policies, if that's what we believe they yeah, are. That's certainly not uh, a cynical remark. That is no, it's an not, absolutely not. Uh, proper remark, and it we is. should be very cautious. Well, it came out of me saying, uh, when I was having lunch with him, Danny, one day, I said, well, you know, did you see Joe Scarborough this morning? He said, yeah, I know you're going to say something good about him. I said, yeah, he was talking about the, the Beatles, and he was just so knowledgeable about the Beatles. I was really impressed. And Danny's looking at me with this, like, <laughs> expressionless face and saying, it's more dangerous, David. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, these people will seduce people into thinking they're hip and cool, but where's the compassion? Yeah. Um, now, have you been thinking of... Um, Running for office? No. Oh, Jumping okay. off a cliff, uh, being on yes. the edge of yes. a cliff and kind of looking over. Can you just describe a little of that? I have a panacea for you. Is that the well, right Well, it's just like... There's no, there's no uh, certainty in any future moment apart from this one. So you might, I, so, well, you know, I'm just going to jump off a cliff, a real sheer one with tremendously pointed rocks at the bottom 300 feet down and then be certain of impalement and the instantaneous death. So I'm on the edge Isn't all the time. Nice? I'm on the edge all the time. You are. Isn't that yeah. nice? Well, here's something for you. I want to play you a song. All right. And uh, this is just this is for Dave, everybody, because uh, we, we want him to reconsider this. Here, here you. Go. Uh, sorry, I always mess up with this thing. Here we go. I'm not going to even tell you what this is till after. Wrong song. I wanted to play that one too, but it was the wrong song. Here it is. Come to the edge, we said. And they said, no, it's too high. Come to the edge, we said. And they said, no, we're going to fall. Come to the edge, we said. And they very reluctantly came. And we pushed. And they flew.
This is from a movie called One Giant Leap, and there was uh, uh, One Giant Leap was the first movie, and the second um, by the same people and with the same theme was called What About Me? <laughs> I love that. What About Me? And uh, the song has come to the edge. And, of course, I played this for Dave, and he said, what part of the world is that from? I said, I don't know. I think it's uh, North Africa. And uh, But I don't know. I don't know who the people are, and we're going to have to... Uh, we need to put this up on the extras, right? We need to no, put... No, we're not... No. We should what do you mean, no? Find, we should, I should go to my iPad right now and check it out. All right, well, go ahead and check it out. Um, but... Uh, the gentleman who is behind One Giant Leap, his name is Jamie Cado, and he's from uh, London, England. And uh, like I said, they did two different movies. Uh, the first one, uh, One Giant Leap, and then What About Me? And uh, it has a lot of different um, teachers, mostly teachers around consciousness, that are interviewed about... Uh, various subjects related to what about me and interspersed throughout that is is incredible footage from around the world including um about what is it i think there's 10 different well on 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 the cd that's part of this 10 different songs of they're kind of mashups of everyone from western artists through african indian and what's it, it, what? What's the name of this one? Right? One, this one giant leap. One. No, no, no. The song, the title. Come to the edge. And uh, it's fantastic, oh. folks. And it brings us, of course, uh, you know, uh, this is something you can get on Amazon. I am almost positive, and uh, I can't more highly recommend it as it's it's really a. It's a real bringing together of music, culture, and consciousness. And it's it's right uh, in line with what we're about here at Mind Rolling and just personally Dave and I and the kinds of things we love to do. So, uh, And you can go through our portal to get it and help support us. So I just wanted to... That's an offering for you, Dave. I'm just looking on the, you know, the track list on all the different things. Yeah. There isn't a track called... Uh, that title uh -huh. there are 12 there are 12 tracks well you may be on one giant leap this is what about me see oh, that's the difference ah, yeah there's two different uh, films is that but, a cd is that a cd too i don't know so you're gonna have to put this on the website or else yeah. you know well, anyhow well. move moving along uh in uh i mean this is uh uh, something we love to do is turn everybody on to some different music, and uh, I have a whole... We've decided that we're going to make at least one offering a week, right, Dave? Uh, sure, I, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> depends. Would, Could be more, you know, could because, be, yeah. you know, we sometimes just get boring. So as soon as we get boring, put on a piece of music, we can recharge our. Back. You weren't getting boring just before. Oh I, well, I, I, I you were I, you, you were th uh, you were on the edge of throwing yourself off your balcony. So I well, wanted it to. It's a metaphor, you know. I'm not about to do this, but within my uh, dualistic consciousness, such as it is, uh, yeah, sometimes I'm on the edge on a moment of moments notice edge, and I don't mean the edge of a cliff, on the edge of 
some kind of consciousness shift. I'm not like edge of set. awakening. You could call it that. That's a good title for a Ramdas book. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's, it comes it's, from it comes from one of his speeches. We, so. No, well, he comes from a t you know talk. We we talked about this a few podcasts right, right. ago, and it's around death and being with dying people and feeling like in that moment you're on the edge of awakening. And I compared it with being around uh, an enlightened being, and in that same space, the same thing goes on. So it's, yeah, we'll we'll find out who that where that lead singer and on the track that we just listened to comes from uh, from Jamie or whatever. And let you know because it's so powerful that voice is like whoa, yeah. and then the the stuff that's going on around it is so atmospherically, yeah, no, no, it's fabulous. incredible, and it's a, like I say, I think there's a few different artists involved, and they they bring it together in a wonderful way. Yeah, look it up on Amazon or look it up on Wikipedia to, to give the track listing or on Amazon and get it from our portal. We're not playing it to advertise it, but you might as well do that if you want to join the club here. Yes. Uh, so that was great. Um, wow. Yeah, the music doesn't necessarily relate to what we're talking about. We just want to put music on because it makes the world go round and it's big. In it our relates. Life. It relates. You were, relates, you know, we right? were talking about, you know, going in and out of, uh, uh, you know, just David and I on the phone yesterday, going in and out of different moods and and being able to have awareness about where we are in that moment and what it is that's going through a dark space or a dark emotion. And uh, we were talking about it, and uh, and I did purposefully think in this podcast I wanted to offer because music to me is is the great equalizer. I mean that is one thing that can really uh, help move your moment along and transform it. Right? I mean, you know the power of that. So I just wanted to make that offering to you, and I had thought about it, and this was a present I wanted to give you. I've been thinking about it for twenty four hours. Do well, you, do you, you know, feel I, appreciative? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, I do. I'm, I just know that I momentarily was spaced out there. It wasn't a hesitation. It was one of those moments, one of those edges that came in between me and the answer to your question. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I love it. I'd, I'd like to know more about this, the, the musicians because it's so it's so interesting. You know, I mean, music. You're right about music. All right. Well, I'll I'll have it way more together next time for you. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, so, it's summertime here now, and that's when we're talking it, on it, the East Coast. Did you want to talk about the military-industrial complex? Well, I was sort of sliding into that kind of and saying it's just a. I've been day. avoiding it. You see. Well, just I, it's a brief like rap. But all right, give your rap. You're on a, you know, this well, is like radio. On, a, Do it. I mean, thousands, if not millions, of people on Facebook are constantly bringing up issues, which, which ultimately are the fault, if you like, if there's any, of the military-industrial complex. And they bring up those that expression, but it's also a lot of it is about the use of drones. A lot of it's the use of aggression uh, outside the United States by the United States, and so on. And it's just always being talked about. But it's interesting that the original. Where it came from was uh, President Eisenhower's farewell speech before John Kennedy became president. In 1961, Eisenhower gave this speech, which was an intense warning against what he called the military-industrial complex and power being shifted to a few people really? and causing the erosion, if not the destruction, of democracy. It's hmm. in that speech. Wow. Uh, I How later do you learned, know this? Yeah, well, that's why I'm telling you this. That's why you're um, here. So... Basically, 
I did some research and found out that when the speech was originally written by a combination of people, including Eisenhower, he talked about it being the military-industrial-congressional complex. But they sort of shot that down because... Hmm. And then there was a group that... There were many versions. The military-industrial-scientific complex was another one. The military-industrial-academic um, military complex was another one. And now I would add the word media to it. Military-industrial-media complex. Uh, Military-industrial-congressional-entertainment-media complex. Whatever it is that holds the system as fragile as it is in place, but at the expense of the most useful way of making money, which is to keep making arms that keep getting used. And there needs to be refurbishing all the time. So you have this incredibly huge, powerful industry in the United States, Britain, Germany, well, not so much Germany, but certainly France, Israel, South Africa, many countries. Other countries like Brazil have retreated from that position. Uh, but the United States has not moved an inch. So basically, the military industrial congressional media scientific academic complex is the matrix in which we all have to try and live, whether we like it or not. And thereby lies, you know, there has to be such, I don't know, there has to be a, some kind of gentle way without war and anger and rioting and craziness to erode this military industrial complex. That's my speech. And, and do it via, you know, conscious methods of protest and activism. Tough situation anyway. because, again, yeah. we, we talked about, you know, it's the same as in politics. It, you immediately get into a judging, polarizing um, exactly. mindset. Yeah. As soon as you, I mean, you just said this whole thing to me. All these images came to my head about the reality of it, you know, especially that incredible circular thing that, that is going on where there's constant supply of arms, they're being used, they're being replenished, uh, you know, other things are being developed, tons of money being put into developing one system or another. But the huge uh, engine that that is, is out of control. So you have these images and you are immediately polarized by going, these people are absolutely fucked. Really? I mean, Raghu, I saw the thing on TV a couple of nights ago, one F-15 fighter jet or F-16 or F-22, I don't even matter which one, one could solve all the educational problems in a city like New York. A couple of billion dollars spent on research and on the plane. If you infused a couple of billion dollars into the city of New York, nobody can tell me you couldn't improve the educational system there. So this is how topsy-turvy it is. It's what the, you know, the, um, the Mayans called the upside-down world. Mm. The upside-down world, you know? Everything's the wrong that. way around, you know? Right. And, and it, it, but your, your issue is very real. It's just, you know, it's crazy, and we know it is crazy. But using the word crazy sort of, when people say, oh, it's so crazy, you sort of automatically feel like they don't want to talk about it. That's why they use the word crazy. What we're talking about right now is how do you maintain equanimity and being here now and being a gentle participant on the planet and fight against a clearly, you know, extremely ugly... I think those words, system. though, that you're using, they're, you know, they're, they're so overused and they have no real substance like, to them like anymore. Fight? fight? I mean, fight is... No, like no. How do, we be, how do we do this peacefully, gently... 
you know, all of that. I just somehow, uh, and well, how do we, there's... I, I, I think by actions, by, you know, the way people are in fact doing them, which is by setting up new subsystems within smaller, smaller communities of uh, all kinds of things from bartering to local gardening to local product to, you know, various forms of micro economies and, and smaller banks and, you know, more receptive uh, sort of modules within the society to deal with people's finances and, 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 and life and the way they live. I don't know. I mean, that's not. But how more. do you. Uh, OK, l- let me take. Let me just. Feasible. Yes, certainly. And these things are going on. There Big are time. definitely group, uh, groups of people in, in, in various neighborhoods around this country that are pooling together and doing the, the kinds of things that can um, offset that mentality. But there's something else, like, uh, like on Facebook. How much of this stuff around uh, Monsanto are, are, do you see? I mean... I see a ton of it. I see at least. I see at least 10... A day, maybe 20. So, okay, take one person, and I've seen, you know, individuals who every day, more than once, are, uh, you know, talking about the evil Monsanto. Is it Monsanto or Monsanto? Yeah. Yeah, Monsanto. Or, you know, there's some kind of YouTube clip that they're, you know, they're linking to and so on and so forth. Every day day after day yeah there's something obsessive well but with, they, they're, with they're, it and not just, and and it's not they're, it they're, it's the opposite of what they want to happen so there's some there's something missing. well i i don't totally agree with you about that because you think about it they're fighting against like the gmo thing is the obama administration has put an ex-gmo guy in you put something out about this yourself yeah I mean, I did. I, I did because the, the all of all the votes in Congress and at the presidential level have gone in favor of GMOs and not being able to object to them. Whereas in many countries in the world, governments have said, "No, we're not having it here because we don't trust it, I mean, and it can be poison and kill people." So, if you want to fight that, you've got to propagandize. You got to use the same propaganda they use. They have Facebook. We have Facebook, so they use it all the time. If they didn't get obsessive about it, they'd just lose. I mean, and they're losing in any case. So what do you, what are you, I mean, actually, it's the relationship with the, um, what I'm trying to talk about is not that it shouldn't be done. It's, it's, uh, I think that the frequency in some cases and the kind of vehemence that you see some that people have anger vehemence uh, around, let's talk about this issue because you see this so much and it is, and it is a major issue and there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, get the Russians are, are fighting the Americans um, you know, about how can you justify backing Monsanto in the United States right. and how, how, how can he? So he, he's un, you know, he's, he can't resist this Obama. Somehow the forces of, uh, uh the corporate for the military industrial complex has defeated Obama on this subject and many others, it would seem. But what I'm talking about is the individual who is trying to do something to oppose this kind of thinking and these kind of actions get so far wrapped up in it and it, and there that angry tirade which is no you know very similar to the tirade that Monsanto is putting out there um, and the lobbyists and so on there's a similarity between these two well, um, expressed just... emotions and i just wonder how successful that can be i think uh, it's more well Roger, i think it's more complex than that actually because from what I look at on Facebook, for instance, 
there's a great range of different people talking about the GMO thing, and most of them are pretty sober, actually. They're not ranting. They just put the facts on the table, you know, about this, that, and the other. And they usually link to something that's in the New York Times or Washington Post, whatever. They're not ranting. They're just constantly putting in so people won't forget this is an issue. Um, then there are the, those others, and typically those are the people who want to say really nasty things about uh, Republicans. Then it really gets, like, murderous. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and, and, and malign and extremely unattractive. So let's talk about that. I mean, in other words, the Monsanto thing is a real issue, right? And it's not going away because the internet's not going to let it go away. What else have we got? We don't have good representation in the government because the government's bought and sold. So, but you're right. There's no point in getting angry about it. But there has to be a degree of shall we say, outrage that makes people actually do anything or should they just let the world go mm -hmm. to hell? You know, uh, there can be tremendous outrage and there can be a, a anger actually in my mind. But if it can only be done from a place where you, you know, you are not wanting to actually kill that person. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I could say it in a, you know, in a more spiritual way where you, you know, you're not harming another heart, which is what, you know, uh, we have gotten from uh, you know, our, our lineage. Uh, and, uh, but that is a very difficult thing to do. And it can only be done if you actually, if you're practicing, uh, on yourself to get yourself straight while with the same energy that you're putting out against Monsanto, I, then, you know, I think you ha we all have an opportunity if we keep that in mind. And again, that goes back to, you know, we had that, we talked about this in, in that meeting we had yesterday and, um, it was about the fact of what can we do in terms of social action where we always have in mind to be able to come from, not from your, you know, you know, from a, a duality, place of duality, place of ego. Right, right, and you right. come, you know, and these are, you know, like new agey terms or, you know, it's like, Jesus, I can hardly say them, but coming from a compassionate heart, um, is has to be part of this equation and that's why i kind of see i don't know if i see that all the time and in other uh, you know and in uh, you know in another sense there is such a, a tremendous uh, it is so powerful this military industrial complex that we are talking about uh, along with the lobbyists that um unless you know it, it's like you do have to bark pretty loud um, exactly. But, but exactly. in this particular system, it's about barking at your local representative. And uh, that uh, then you get how many people are barking on this, you know, in in a way that's going to make any 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 dent. It has to be in numbers. And then you start to think there is another half of us that does not think in that way, does not think there's anything wrong with the GMO. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's been any polls done or anything, but I am sure that it, this is, like most other things, this is split right down the line in terms of what people believe. You know, I read an article um, in the Times, I think it was over the weekend. Uh, well, I don't know when it was, but it's within the last week, and it was about food. You know, it was over the weekend. It was in the Sunday paper. And it was about the mutation of, of the seeds 
from ancient times so that what we are eating now is so devoid of flavonoids and all of the other things that are necessary uh, so that we don't have to take supplements. Uh, it was just amazing. Corn has completely been mutated to look and taste sweet. and But the rest of it is just not, you know, what used to be there in maize, you know, in the days, uh, you know, when, when the American Indians were, were, were growing uh, uh, maize is just absolutely not there. And so much of what we have now. So this has been going on for centuries and centuries, this mutation, uh, you know, as a result of people's desire systems to, for uh, obviously, uh, you know, taste is, is a, a major thing, but it's really run by how much produce can we sell that will, you know, not rot, you know, not be, be um, bug resistant, etc., etc. So back to the same situation. That's what this GMO thing is, is really part of. These farmers, it's far, far easier and more productive for them to use these kind of seed. I mean, they're just, you know, and yeah, that's it is, what... It is in the United States. In smaller countries, the ones that are not doing it, who've already said, you know, actual legislation has been passed to not do it, are smaller countries in Europe. But I mean, I think there's one... Well, let's say there's, there's a bunch of them and they add up. But you're right. I mean, the thing is, we, we know most of the facts about it, and we know that it, it, it sounds bad, and the government should not be sanctioning it. But that's where the military-industrial, you know, yeah. capitalist, capitalist corporate system comes into place, where agribusiness is more powerful than your local farmer everywhere. Why haven't um, you, uh, where is your, uh, you should have a, you are really, you know, you've been putting stuff out on, on Facebook about this, and actually, you actually helped uh, educate me a little bit with whatever article you connected with. Why aren't you out there with a placard at this point? I, I'd say you should be down in Manhattan getting some people together. No, I mean, you know, no, talk about action. Come on. No, it will never happen. Why? And, uh, because whenever I did anything like that ever, it, it was a disaster. So, you know, what, you did that, something like that. Give well, me you know, we, we protesting in the streets. When did you protest in the street? 1969. Where was it? Washington. OK. Against? I, the Vietnam War. You went out and protested against the Vietnam War in Washington in 67. I did it in Cambridge, in Harvard Square twice. I did it in Berkeley. Well, that was the People's Park rebellion. I did it about five or six times, actually, and I, you know, don't want to do it again. Uh -huh. I but I think I think it's good for people to get in the streets, though, because it gets them on television to some extent. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff. You know, seriously, a lot of this stuff is because the media doesn't cover the real issues. You think about how much of the media is based on individual murders and and mass shootings and tornadoes and God knows what. But I mean, they're not talking about endemic problems endemic problems in the society that are causing people suffering all the time and that's the media part of the military industrial media complex mm -hmm. it's it makes you it makes you sort of depressed but the thing is what 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 is kind of you know redemptive to me right now is that just through facebook and various you know people i see how much people a lot younger than me are literally hip beyond words about the actual issues you know, and and have found ways to make their voice known. Yeah, you know? that that you just hit the old nail 
right yeah. on the head because it is, and, and it's what we've talked about before. I think uh, this has been a thread since we've started the uh, Mind Rolling podcast that the level of interest uh, about changing um, people's, their own insides from the, uh, um, you know, 20s and 30s, we should say, I mean, into 40s, it's not, the level of interest, though, especially in, in the generation, that, you know, that's the new generation that's, that's there now, to change their insides and at the same time get with people and change what is going on now is uh, we and we both said this this is at the highest level since uh, we believe since the 60s since the late 60s when um you know people really banded together and of course you know that that whole era has been put down but there was uh, you know just uh, over the years it has definitely been negated as to that was just a flower power druggy thing and then you know music and that was the end of that but it isn't true because people that were there then have many of them uh you know uh created a bridge and you know and we want to do that with mind rolling i mean that's definitely what 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 one of our purposes here uh, and created a bridge to uh, give something to this generation relative to the similar stressors that you can compare from back then to now and tools that and, and just, you know, talk about stuff in a way that uh, people can relate with. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody gets angry about what, you know, even if you just watch TV. Yeah, angry with what's going on. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe these people are just totally useless. Totally useless, you know. Hey, <laughs> what? I, I hear a hound. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, we go through the conflict because maybe the way we can be a bit of a service about it is we keep insisting that, and it's right that if you're not coming from really a peaceful heart and a giving heart that won't hurt other hearts, no matter what then your political activism can turn, can, can be actually negative karmically uh, by causing more anger and more upset and disturbing emotions in the body politic or in just the body, actually. So that's a, a crucial kind of thing that Raga and I talk about all the time, which is that I was, when I was doing those protests, I wasn't, I wasn't the angriest of the angry, believe you me, but I had a certain kind of rage and there was a certain kind of excitement about seeing these riot squads coming out they knew i knew that we're making a we're making a difference of some kind but that's not really where it's at anymore because now we know that you know uh we're trying to think about these issues in terms of our children our friends our our children to come our future incarnations do i want to be born into another hellhole no <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends what you come back as that's well i'm, the I'm question. you know I, I well. Have you thought I, about that? Yes. I, I, and I what is it? Um, I want to come back as um, uh, something like uh, okay, um, Joni Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I I I sort of envisioned you coming back and being born in Benares, India. Yeah, that's probably more what I want. But I just wanted—I just wanted to be facetious. But you know, um, 
the truth is you don't know but but really though you know the 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 axis between anger and activism those two a's mm -hmm. that comes up time and time again in these podcasts so far and it's going to come up and we'd like to hear from you about what you how, what you go through about it or what you um yeah feel i mean it. it's a great yeah. great uh, subject absolutely and we have been as you say talking about it quite a bit um uh, at the same time i th i th you know one of the the big big we talk about similar pressures you know from when we came up to people are coming up now meaning you know formative years but we haven't i mean i guess we did have the thing of the of the nu the nuclear age, right? The nuclear bomb, that fear that that was going to happen and end our existence. Now there's yeah, the fear yeah. that, you know, the environment cannot support what is going on and it is already happening, you you know, in all over the world where the, you know, look at uh, just happened uh, in, in Oklahoma. That has to be the fiercer storms, the fiercer droughts, the fiercer you know monsoons uh all of it is you know is the daily indication of this thing has gone amuck uh and what we are doing to ourselves on this planet so this is a you're right this is a great subject to continue uh on in future podcasts and we should probably get some people on to talk a little bit more about it because um how do you try and be effective as a social activist, yet uh, be able to come from a place that you're not polarized? I mean, it sounds almost impossible, but let's uh, let's yeah, we'd love to hear from more people. We we should talk to we should talk to Danny about this. I mean, Danny thinks about this kind of stuff, and he's worked in this area. Danny Goldberg, he's yeah. worked in this area. God, his pretty much his whole life. So, uh, uh, you know, um, let's let's talk to Danny about this. And uh, what else? That's it, Dave. I'm I've become tired of your ranting about the military-industrial complex. Yeah, I'm a bit tired of it myself, actually. But um, you know, I'm just kidding. It's just well, the thing about it is, you know, it's not that people need to know this stuff. People find it out at their own time and everything. But there is sort of a feeling, you know, I, I think now, that, you know, the only thing that, that won't polarize people is if they can continue to express themselves about what they think is wrong. That's where the Internet comes into it. Yeah. So the inter Internet to me is be. like, an, yep. you know, yep. it can be like that extended, yep. uh, you know, limb that, or, or brain power. And it goes or out bridge. there. Or bridge. A bridge. It's or a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Bridge. Well. So, you know. All right. At this point, did you want to do any more um, advertisements for our survival yeah, here with yeah, mind rolling? Yeah, definitely. Or have I you done enough with that 30 No, I mean, I'm beginning to enjoy doing these ads because they make you think like nimbly. Um, go to mindrollingpodcast.com, our website, uh, which we're changing a little now, but it's, it's, it's still pretty good. Go to it. And if you want to buy something from Amazon, there's a portal there, a banner, the bottom part of the page. And if you hit that, it doesn't do anything except make your purchase come up on our data, and we get a small percentage of that. And it keeps the thing going, and it really does. And they're honest, and we get, you know, they send money, whatever. But if you do that, that would really help us. The other thing is audible.com, our affiliate. We're an affiliate there. Uh, that's, you know, the 
uh, spoken word uh, on, you know, that stuff. Um, and spoken word, that stuff. <laughs> we have to send this, our little commercials into Audible, and they, they have to verify that we're not downgrading their brand. I broke that down. ping there. What? You know, I, <laughs> that, I thought no, but go to, just look, there's a banner on our page, Audible. If you want somebody reading something that you like, they've got it on a CD or whatever. There you go. That's and there's, it. And there's a, there you have deals, trial months when it's free, and I think it's two books now, but it's certainly one. And then, you know, if you like the process, you'll get more from them. But we do get money from them, and they're very honorable and easy to deal with people, I might add, because I've dealt with them. They're really nice, and we like them. So um, do that. All right, that's uh, it. That's are we it. at the end of this thing now? We're at the end. We're at the end. And uh, we're going to just, <laughs> George Burns said, say goodbye, Gracie. 